Hello, friends. Welcome to the trailer for The Road Taken with CT and Bayo. I'm Bayo. And I'm CT. We've embarked on a massive world tour and are excited to experience all the thrills and boredom that entails. To help us process our own experiences along the way, we'll be having conversations with peers, idols, and maybe a rando or two. The Road Taken with CT and Bayo, part of the Ringer Podcast Network on all podcast platforms. And welcome to Ringer Dish. This is a pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kate Hallowell, and I'm joined today for a very special K-pop-centric episode by two people who know the industry far better than I ever could. It's Isaac Lee and Donnie Kwok. Guys, hello. Hey, it's good to be here. Isaac's in studio with me. Donnie's in New York. Donnie? I'm I'm Japan. We're all Japan. <laughs> Can't stop Japan. Can't um, stop Japan. <laughs> we are very excited to get some K-pop content on Ringer Dish. I've been trying for a very long time. Um, and today we're going to focus on Super M, which is the new all-star group from SM Entertainment that debuted basically on Isaac and my doorstep in Hollywood this week. We like just couldn't get away from them. Um, so let's start just by breaking down who is this group, what is this group, and why should people care? So Super M is a super group of sorts. Uh, you called it an all-star team. They're going with the moniker, the Avengers of K-pop. Avengers of K-pop. Um, super M is this conglomeration of a few members from each of SM Entertainment's marquee boy bands, you would say. Right. It comprises of Taemin from Shiny, Baekhyun and Kai from EXO, NCT's Taeyong, Mark, and Ten and Lucas. And yeah, we'll and get it, into them. Yeah, there's a little bit of like confusion over whether NTT and Wavy are the same. Ten and Lucas are in the Chinese unit of NTT together. But Donnie, I know you're like a little bit, you're not new to, to these guys specifically. You have a very deep history of the, uh, the K-pop industry. <laughs> um, but you've kind of been like, you know, it's been a learning experience about this group specifically for you, which I mean, it has been for all of us. They're literally brand new. But I think the thing that makes them so unique is that the strategy is that they're taking all these extremely popular members from these successful groups, putting them together, and they basically skipped Korean promotions and are mm-hmm. debuting specifically in the U.S. Right, with Capitol Records. Right. And Capitol Records absolutely dropped the bag on them this week, I have to say. <laughs> like, the amount of promotion in Hollywood, the amount yeah. of— they had this live showcase on Saturday. They built this huge stage. They shut down roads. They had, like, all these huge, like, marquees. They had the videos playing in, like, random buildings, like, around yeah. the area. And we should say, you were there at all the I events. Was. You were hanging out with them. You were I was, interviewing a little them. Bit, you were yes. hanging out with Isuman, the president, I the chairman was. of SM we're, Entertainment. We're BFFs but also, now. Also, we should say, she was captured on Getty Images at the yeah. press conference. <laughs> Guys, my interview, featured, my front inter- and center. <laughs> my interview? Sitting in front of Super M. <laughs> Guys, we had, a, there was a really funny escalation of events. Um, Donnie has my interview in his hands right now. So hopefully all the fun, all the fun parts will make it in. It's on Donnie. If not, you know who to blame. But yeah, that'll be on the ringer.com later this week. Shameless plug. All right. But back to kind of explaining the makeup of this group. So there are seven members, which I think is a pretty, I think it agrees a pretty standard number. Everyone in America is like, there are so many of them. I'm like, this is like, on the lower end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, compared to groups like 17. Totally, uh, yeah. Which is not made up 17 members. Right, to, to they be have 13, fair, 13 yeah. members. Yeah. And NCT, like the whole All of, of them, it. yeah. <laughs> it's not um, that many. Yeah, seven I think is pretty standard. I think it's a good amount. So I think kind of like, I guess we can just go through specifically group by group who's in this. And just as a disclaimer, I interact with a lot of K-pop online content. I do not 
talk about K-pop out loud very often. So I need you guys to <laughs> take my pronunciations with a grain of salt. I'm working on it. Um, so first up, Isaac, just go for it. Just sure. step in for me, please. So there is Temin from Shiny. Uh-huh. Um, the Mangne of Mangne meaning the youngest right. of Shiny. Of Shiny, but not of Super M. Yeah, yeah, not of Super M. Right. He is the second oldest. Right. And he debuted nearly 11 years ago. Literally so long. So long ago <laughs> and has had a very successful solo career, namely with the song Move, which oh. was like a huge phenomenon. It's an yeah. <laughs> Can I just quickly interject here Please. And, uh, go ahead. as you guys go through this member by member breakdown? Because Kate was saying that I'm a K pop expert or something like that, which I'm actually not. I actually am a K pop fan, but. Everything new about K-pop and right. new groups, etc. I actually learned from Kate and from Isaac. But Shiny is a group that I know because they're uh-huh. kind of old school. Yeah, Ring Ding Dong and yeah, Play Lucifer, and like little that. Lucifer. Anyone? <laughs> These are all like <laughs> early two thousands, right? Like or mid two thousands, and that's more peak K-pop era for me. Uh huh. But anyway, continue. So I just wanted yeah. to say that Shiny is an older group, and they're the group that got me into K-pop. Is that right? Yeah. You're just an SM girl, eh? I know, I can't help it. From day one, baby. <laughs> Shiny, I grew up with Shiny. They were one of the groups that were kind of like concurrent with all the members are like a few years older than me. Mm, and mm-hmm. so I, that's how I got kind of got into it. Right. And um, it's really weird to see him kind of as the elder statesman, Tamian as the elder statesman right. now. Because his image very early on was this like really talented but very precocious Young, 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 young guy. Uh-huh. He was like 15 or 16 when he did. Yeah, I think he was literally 15. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what people had talked about. It's kind of hard to parse his role in this group because I think originally early on, people were like, he's going to be the leader. In the early teasers, they were very much posing him as like the architect of this group. He, They had individual teasers for every member and he was popping up in all of them, kind of like bringing them together, bringing together like the vendors, quote unquote, of K-pop, like the Nick Fury, essentially. And people were like, well, obviously he's going to be the leader. Obviously they're posing him as bringing them together. And then literally they went on Instagram Live and we're just like randomly talking. And he was like, oh, I don't want to be the leader. Like, it's going to be Baekhyun. And they were like, what? And, and Baekhyun was like, all right. Well, it kind of makes sense with this character too. Like, he's right. not, he's a pretty meek guy. Right, yeah. He can be very quiet. And I think it's been interesting to kind of parse Timmons' role in this group. And actually, before we continue the member rundown, Isaac, I, I have a question for you. Sure. Did you ever in your life consider being <laughs> I a love K-pop this. idol? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Spill the tea, oh, Isaac. Oh man. Because uh, Isaac now has like a very K-pop-ish haircut. He does. Noticed. It looks no, no, great. Hold on, hold on. First, first of all, <laughs> first of all it's, not have... an ins- it's not an insult. <laughs> I think this is so good. I'm so glad you asked, Donnie. Uh, so I guess, I guess, like I've never actually talked about K-pop in public, or it's not on my Twitter or my Instagram or anything. But Can't exclusive. relate. Um, Cannot relate. I, I, def- I grew up with K-pop. I followed K-pop all my life. I'm Korean. And yeah, when I was younger, I've been scouted a couple times to be part Isaac of Isaac is a singer, groups. in case you've never yeah. come across his content on The Ringer. Uh, He's great. Who hasn't heard Hallelujah? Come on. I know. <laughs> So I had uh, I had put some like covers of my songs online and yeah, a few people have reached out to me, but I never actually considered it too seriously. I, right. you know, I want to stay in America and anyways, back to <laughs> Super M because that's more pertinent it's to this focus. podcast. Okay. So after Taemin, who is kind of, you know, the most, maybe the most established, I think in the industry of the group. Um, so from EXO, there's Baekhyun and Kai. Baekhyun is the leader of Super M. He's EXO's main vocalist. And he's the oldest in Super M, but he's also kind of, I think, the mood maker he's kind of been saying, which I think is very much true. Just kind of the comic relief in like interviews and promotion, things like that. 
he keeps his bit is that like he's the worst dancer in the group because obviously this is a group of performers and a lot of them were like sort of chosen like for their performing ability. So kind of his running bit is he's like, oh, I'm the old man who can't dance, which is absurd because he's an extremely yeah. good dancer. The bar is just... Can I say something about Baekhyun too? Like please. he's an incredible vocalist. Unbelievable And vocalist. I think that's his way of humbly saying totally. like, I'm a really good vocalist. Totally. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so he's the main vocalist in Super M. He's extremely prominent in almost all of the songs. And then also from EXO is Kai, who's the main dancer. Um, I wasn't sure who was going to kind of be the main dancer slash center of oh, Super him. M. Because you have a lot of options, but it's very much him. It's him. It's him. Yeah. The thing that surprised me was how much he sings on the Super M album because he doesn't sing a lot in EXO. But I think it's also partially, I mean, he has a good voice, but also it's partially a way to get him in the middle and be like, <laughs> put Kai in the front, like let him sing, um, yeah. which is fine. And it worked out great. So those are those two are from EXO. So Donnie, are you familiar with EXO? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember, <laughs> I remember when they first came out. So after you know, I was talking about like the uh, kind of 2009, 10, 11, 12-ish right. peak. They were like the next SM supergroup after. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it was interesting because they were the first group. Or correct me if I'm wrong, Kate and Isaac. EXO, to my knowledge, was like the first group to actively incorporate Chinese members, right. and, and really. Didn't work out great. (laughs) Did not work out very well. All of them ended up defecting or going back to China. Um, So they had XOM and XOK uh, when they first debuted. They had 12 members. They now have nine. Don't count out Lei. He still counts. Lei is still there. He's still there, baby. He's holding on. Um, But they've had eight active members for the last maybe year or so because Lei has been kind of doing his solo stuff in China. And then the other three Chinese members did not end up staying with the group. Um, but yeah, that was one of SM's many experimentations into kind of trying to to globally experiment. It did not work out. I think this one will work a lot better. <laughs> I actually remember when EXO first came out that mm-hmm. friends that are women were remarking to me that EXO was like a rare K-pop huge group where like every member was really good looking. I would agree. Yeah. Love they were really known. They were really known for their boyish, yeah. cute looks across the board. So... Take that as you will. Just a group of lookers, EXO. I mean, it's not <laughs> everyone in K-pop is. Come on. <laughs> um, so also in uh, Super M, there are four boys from NCT, which is, I could try to explain this forever. Oh, I wrote a piece God. about it. You can read it. Yeah, read Kate's piece read on Read my piece about it. Uh, Lee Suman really liked it. He told me in person. <laughs> yeah. NCT stands um, for Neo Culture Technology. Uh-huh. And it's like this experimental sort of evolving group where they kind of select from this pool of members so there's NCT 127, which is a group that kind of focus on kind of their main like varsity group that focus on like Korean promotions. They have NCT Dream, which is a younger group focused on just like a younger demographic. Members kind of age out of that when they turn 20. They have NCT U, which is just like random. Like we want these two people to do a song together, et cetera. And then, well, they have Wavy, which is there's some back and forth on how connected they are to NCT. I think we can say that they've like fully claimed them because that's what my article said and that's what Lisa Vaughn agreed with. <laughs> so I think we can count that. Um, so Wavy is basically the, the Chinese NCT unit. So there are four members of Super M from NCT, which is why people have been kind of calling it NCT Hollywood, which I agree with. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, yes, this is NCT Hollywood. Yeah, just like NCT unit. On, it really is kind of just on steroids. So from NCT 127, uh, we have Taeyong, who is the leader of NCT 127. Um, he's a rapper. He's the center of his group. He's kind of like a mini Kai, I think, in a lot of ways, yeah. who also raps. They have a lot of similar, like, sort of stage Yeah, he's stage also the presence. lead dancer. He's, like, kind of 
everything in NCT. Yeah. He's included in basically all the He's kind of the face of the group. He's like the most recognizable one. He has kind of this growly, like very unique rap style. Extremely good dancer. Um, And then Mark, who has debuted in four groups. He's in literally every NCT group. He is now aged out of NCT Dream, but he was in NCTU, various NCTU projects. He was in NCT 127, NCT Dream, and Super M. So Mark is really good at debuting, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which honestly is super obvious because he's Canadian, Korean. He's fluent in English. And I think he's always, people have always been like, he's just kind of a goofball. Like he's, you know, been shy. He's extremely young too. He's so young. He debuted so young. All the NCT Dream Boys did. And he just recently, he's like 20. So he's very much been kind of the voice of Super M in the U.S. And I was so impressed. I just, I really just thought he was kind of an endearing goofball from all the things that I've seen of him so far. And he walked into the Super M press conference and started giving these answers where he was like, a pro. He was spinning things. He was like reining in the other boys. I was like, are you the youngest? And are you like suddenly amazing at this? <laughs> <laughs> so he really has, I don't know if he's just grown up or he's just stepped up, but um, he's doing a great job. He's also a really good rapper, really good dancer. He's a little bit more, not American because he's Canadian, but I think his style in general is more noticeably Western. western. Yeah, Western. Yeah. But he's great. And then from NCT slash Wavy, both of these guys debuted with NCTU and then debuted in China with Wavy. Um, there's Ten, who's Thai. I absolutely will not attempt his real name. It's so long. Both names are like 20 letters long. Yeah. Um, his stage name is Ten. He speaks four languages. He promoted in Korea with NCT. Then he promoted in China with Wavy. Learned Chinese. He speaks English. He says that he's not fluent, but he's super fluent. He's adorable. He went to like English school? Yeah, he studied internationally. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's better at English than I think several other languages that he speaks. Mm. But he's an amazing dancer. I think Ten is like the dark horse MVP of this group. I mean, there's so many good dancers I in this know. group. We'll talk he's, about the Ten is yeah. so good. He's really, really, really a star. But he, you know, he sings, he dances. Yeah. My only complaint, honestly, about Super M is that I think he's underused. But also everyone is because like just naturally you're going to have, somebody's going to have to be. Someone. <laughs> Not enough screen time. Um, and then also the final member is Lucas, who is Chinese. Um, he is the wavy kind of rapper and center, and he's a former NCTU member as well. He's great. He's just a gem, just a big yeah. puppy. So, Donnie, how much do you know about NCT? Uh, well, I edited the aforementioned piece. <laughs> he edited my piece, Kate so wrote. he learned so, all about them. <laughs> I learned a lot about them. I mean, I know that it stands for Neo Culture Technology. technology. <laughs> Isaac, we we first bonded, I think, over NCT. I was yeah. like the first K-pop group. Because for me, over. when I when they first came out, I was like, what? What's going on? Is this a rotational group? Yeah. Is this what Super Junior 05 was supposed to be? Right. Well, we can talk about Super Junior later. Right. <laughs> um, but it's such a weird concept at first. And it's really hard to wrap your brain around. It kind of works though. Like, I don't know. I really like it actually. I think it's really smart. I think, Kate, you mentioned in your piece, I, I think this is like we mentioned with EXO and, and Isaac, you just mentioned Super Junior, which is of course an older K-pop group. But what you're seeing with... SM in particular is that, I mean, I guess not, it's not just SM groups, but beyond the different subunits and their names and such, it's very calculating to have this kind of multi-culti totally. group. I of, think increasingly so. Yeah, increasingly so. Yeah. For, you know, so you have a member that can touch the Southeast Asian market. You have an, a Canadian or like a North American, right. et cetera, Chinese. Yeah. So and like almost, every, I would say 
not almost every group, but increasingly almost every group has a member who is from, you know, Blackpink has members from Australia. Stray Kids has members from Australia. Um, And a Thai member in Blackpink. And a Thai member in Blackpink, yeah. I think this sort of international appeal, just like working that into the, from the day one, like working that into the strategy of the group is happening more and and more. And Super Junior is a good comparison because that's a group of just straight Korean Koreans. Right. That's no longer, if you want to expand the market beyond Korea, you need to have... They had Chinese members who all left, but... Guys, they're making a comeback soon, okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Super Junior is still on it. Um, So, I I mean, obviously these are all sort of the most, I don't want to say the most talented members of their own groups because there are a lot of talented members in NCT and They're definitely like the, ma- the considered quote-unquote main or centers right. I think, of their I think if, if somebody was like, they're going to make, they're going to pick two members from this group, two members from this group, two members, like who do you think it's going to be? Yeah, they're, I think they're people among probably, the top of, the, of yeah. your draft I think they're board. predictable, predictable drafts for Super M. Would yeah. you say that like a cynic, not me, but a cynic mm-hmm. might suggest that we were talking about K-pop industry flagging a little bit. EXO mm-hmm. has been kind of dormant. That the creation of a super group like Super M is, I wouldn't quite so go so far as to say an act of desperation, but it's like something that they've just contrived mm. as like, not a gimmick, but it's like, a you know, nothing else is really popping or working right now. So we're just going to make this group of all the members that you like from different groups. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's because EXO's dormant because they just dropped a really good album this year. I would say it's because EXO's enlisting. I think, yeah, right. you know, I mean, there's going to be the next, like, what, seven years? Like, yeah. EXO's not going to be and all we should, of EXO? We should explain the Korean military enlistment policy here. Sure, run through um, it. So every Korean man has to enlist and do mandatory military service. So now it's down to, I think, a year and a half. They're going to reduce it further to just a year, but... A lot of times, K-pop groups are very strategic with it um, and like announce their plans to enlist a year or two beforehand so that they have some sort of lead up to it and they can come back and reintegrate themselves back into projects. And XO seemingly (laughs) is going to… Well, and every other member of SHINee is enlisted right now too. So like that feels like a huge reason. It's like give Taemin something to do. And I know people are clamoring for BTS to get an exemption. Yeah, that definitely won't happen. Uh, yeah, it would look too bad. <laughs> it would look really well, bad. Well, you know, but we've seen it in athletics. Like, for example, the South Korean World Cup team, you know, they finished yeah. in fourth in 2002. Yeah. They were all exempted. You know, if you win a medal in the Olympics, you get exempted. One could argue that what BTS has done, i.e., you know, giving a speech in front of the UN and having yeah. this global popularity. It's like public service for the nation of Republic of I would of Korea. be shocked if that happened. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, certainly we'll the see. citizens would look Jin down Jin is like 27, so it's coming. But anyway, back to the Avengers thing too. I mean, I, I was saying what a cynic might say. Again, not me. A yeah, asking for a friend, Donnie Kwok. <laughs> yeah, stay out of our DMs, please. <laughs> I think the Avengers of K-pop moniker actually is fitting in the sense that Marvel or the MCU can literally just put out anything with these superheroes that people love and people will gobble it up. Right. So, you know, it's like it doesn't really matter right. uh, at the end of the day as long as the Hulk and Thor, whoever, you know, are in the film. Totally. And there was a lot of, I wrote this in an earlier piece about Super M, but there was a lot of original backlash to this idea because people were like, you have EXO, like promote EXO. They were like, Taman's a successful solo artist. Like he doesn't need this. And there was so much backlash, like to the original announcement that it was actually like wild. (laughs) And I like- Kate, since you're kind of entrenched in a little bit, can you explain a little bit about- the warring fandoms. Yeah. So really, I mean, I, I the way I explained it in the piece is like 
there are always people who are just fans of one group and only fans of that group and they don't want crossovers and they don't care about other groups. And that's how it is in K-pop. People, there. I mean, there are multi, they're called like multis who are fans of multiple groups and fans of just the industry in general, which I think we all probably fall into. But there are people who just support BTS. There are people who just support EXO. And, you know, there were so, so many fans who were like, I don't care about Shiny. I don't care about NCT. I just care about EXO. Or mm. I just care about these two members from NCT 127 and I don't want them with these other other groups. There was concern about, you know, they'll promote EXO less or they'll promote NCT less or they'll get tired. Because, you know, literally Kai and Baekhyun just flew back to do EXO concerts after a week of Super M promo. And so, you know, I think there were a lot of concerns about that. And I also think that it's impossible to please every K-pop stand. Yeah. Literally, it's impossible to please everyone. And and I think people have come around. Those but, points are legitimate, I think. I, I'm not, yeah. not going to like... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's things to worry about. They but have a finite amount of time. Totally. Uh, and yeah, totally. they're going to get tired and right. they might not be able to promote with their respective groups. I get all that. At the same time, I find this to be a pretty cool idea and, and a venture. Yeah. Especially because SM as this massive giant in the industry is able to pull together their most what they deem as their most valuable right. assets together mm-hmm. and create some sort of synergy. Um, can we talk a little bit about the team construction real quick as a yeah. whole? Can I also just quickly apologize for saying EXO have been dormant? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I Extremely haven't been following rude. them that close. Um, XOLs, get him. Stream Gravity, you guys. It's a great the song. The last EXO song I know is Growl. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh my what? god. Donnie, they're so good. What? I think that was like their first song too. It, it was a good it song. essentially was. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Their anyway, new album is extremely good. I listen to it all the time. Um, okay, so team construction, Super M. I think Isaac and I talked about this a lot when we first heard about this group. It's so rap and so dance heavy. Very rap and dance heavy. Yeah. There's four rappers, five if you count ten as a rapper. And he does rap. He does several rap times in on the album. album. Um, Can we put rap in air quotes? <laughs> rude. Oh, rude. Oh, Donnie. Do not come for my son. Don't get oh, canceled, Donnie Kwok. Okay, 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 okay. continue. Sorry. Baekhyun right. <laughs> um, is the main vocalist, the only actual like pure vocalist because Taemin is a hybrid. Right. right. Taemin does it all. But yeah, I think when I was looking at this group, I was like, is Baekhyun going to sing everything? Which yeah. obviously Taemin is an extremely good vocalist. Go listen to Rise. It's incredible. It's my favorite Taemin song. Um, but. You don't look at him and be like, oh, he's a vocalist. Yeah, and Ten can sing, Kai can sing, mm-hmm. but they're not traditional. They're not singers yeah. for the most part. And like K-pop has these very structured roles right. um, where people are like, you know, why why are you calling them a dancer? Or why are you calling them a singer? Like right. obviously they do everything, but they are like, they have very specific roles that everyone in this group fills that don't always overlap or don't yeah. often overlap. I mean, speaking of which, they have five main slash lead dancers. Right. Taemin is was a main dancer yeah. in Shiny. Mm-hmm. Kai is a main dancer. Taeyong and Mark are both lead dancers, I believe. Right. Ten is a main dancer. Right. There was a really funny um, tweet when the Super M announcement first released where it was like Usher in the confession video where he's like on the phone and he's like, nah, man, nah. And it was like the members of Super M, when you tell them they're going to have to stand in the back of the choreography for the first <laughs> yeah. time in their careers. Yeah. Because not everyone can be the main dancer, but like they all are in their groups. It was weird to see Taeyong not in the middle. It's weird to see Ten in the back too. I know know. it's so funny. And that's why I was like not sure Kai was going to be like the center because there's so many options to choose from. It's so weird to think of. And even Taemin, I'm like, you're not in the front nearly as often as I thought. His role in this group is so interesting to me. He's like really, I mean, he's obviously is featured, but his style is so specific. And the Mm -hmm. way that they used him, I thought was really surprising. In a lot of ways. Yeah, his role definitely was bizarre to watch him right. like 
And he, just to note, he's the only one in all five Super M songs. So there is that. Yeah. Um, everyone is on Jopping and everyone is on I Can't Stand the Rain. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other ones are a lot of subunits. So like Too Fast, which is a shiny song, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, is Taemin, Baekhyun, Mark, and Lucas. Um, Supercar is Taemin, Baekhyun, Taeyong, Mark, and Ten. Although Kai and Lucas came in to dance on that in the showcase. Which I'm honestly sure. like, yes. Like, just bring them in. Why they don't not? need to say anything. They're, they're like, there already. We just want to see them. Um, and then No Manners is Taemin, Kai, yeah. Taeyong, and Ten. Which we have not seen performed yet. But like, it's going to have some fire choreo. Like, hmm. those are the four... Best listen answers. To, listeners, just listen to the excitement in Kate's voice. Guys, describing I'm this. representing the fans. I'm here for you. I'm here to argue with Donnie. Um, <laughs> Wait, so Kate, let me, let, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. You know, sure. obviously Isaac and I are of Korean descent, Korean Americans. Mm-hmm. K-pop fandom has now blown up and become a story in itself. I mean, you see it on social media. I think even, you know, Mashable and different outlets cover how K-pop fans litter different trending topics. Right. Or, create hashtags and you see a lot of K-pop reaction memes everywhere. Mm -hmm. The fan cams. (laughs) The fan cams, all of that. As somebody that's not of Korean descent, how would you get into it, first of all? And like, what do you think is like the main appeal for you of K-pop as a genre? You know, I... I love a boy group. I always have. <laughs> and Wait, a girl, so you don't like, and a you don't like K-pop too. groups? And a, no, oh, okay. I like girl groups too. I was like, you just don't have very many good American ones, like historically. Like I, you know, just like even growing up, I was like Little Mix, like Fifth Harmony. But like, mm-hmm. you know, they're just not that good. And like mm-hmm. One Direction was kind of all we had growing up. And I just always really liked them. And I like the dynamic between members. I like the performances. But And I had tried to get into K-pop in the past. Just like in high school, I was like, this seems like something I would like. And I think I clicked on just like probably like an old shiny video, which is ironic because they're the ones I eventually liked and saw like the Mohawks and like the extensions. And I was like, yeah, it's not for me. Um, My intro to K-pop is really embarrassing because it, I guess I could say it. Um, It happened in 2017. There was a viral video of Minho from Shiny with Melania Trump. And they were at an event. Oh, my goodness. Hey, did you see it? <laughs> I did. I did. It that was in Korea. It was super, super viral. She was there for an event, and there are these little schoolgirls, and they're standing in front of Melania and Minho. And one of them turns around and sees Minho and starts losing her shit. And she's like, ah! And her friend is like, thinks she's reacting to Melania because she doesn't know Minho's there. And she's like, literally like, what is, like, why are you reacting that way to this white woman? Like, she's like, not even looking at, like, what is your deal? And then she turns around and loses it. And Minho, like, makes this really cute face at her. And I literally was like, that man has a really good face. And I would like to see more of it. (laughs) And so I looked up Shiny and got, and immediately was like, this is my shit. I must have clicked on like View or like One to One or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like one of their more recent, more recent songs. And I was like, oh, this is good. Like the dancing was great. And I think what got me into it was starting with the performances rather than the music videos because the music videos are so over the top. And if you don't know what to expect, I think it's like, okay, like this is really weird. Like this is a lot. But I think just watching like the music shows like in Kigayo or like the, NBC like music stages or whatever it's so unlike anything you see in America and so impressive uh-huh. you know the right. choreo and like the dancing and the outfits and like they're so good and so polished and now I think that's kind of the in yeah is yeah. to like have people watch the performances be like this is so good this is and like the camera angles it's all just like so impressive and then right. from there, you can kind of get into like the more like out there, like all, you know, ever, even the dropping video, like so much CGI, so like over the top and theatrical. And I think that to be, people are like, I don't get it. But I think just like the performances in general, I think are kind of I think of polished is a, great, is a great word. Yeah. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is Minho currently in a movie? He is with Megan, um, Megan with Fox. Megan Fox. 
Yes. Wait, what? Yeah, he filmed it like right before he enlisted. Interesting. Middle, uh, also doing the most is in the Marines. <laughs> yeah, that guy <laughs> Just is. Well, he's known, doing the most. he's known to be like a really passionate guy. Totally, and like and really athletic. <laughs> I'm like, like, you would. Uh, yeah, I'd just sign up for the most rigorous I know. <laughs> program the military has to offer. Yeah, it's fine. So Kate, as a, as a K-pop stand yeah. now, like do you, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you feel like, since BTS is so omnipresent and huge and, and basically a household name even in America, mm-hmm. do you feel like you root more for the underdog groups? I totally do. I love BTS. Army, please don't come for me. I have BTS shirts. I went to both days at the Rose Bowl. Like, I love BTS. But there is just this instinct to be like, guys, it's not just BTS. Right. There are so many talented groups. There's so many people doing so many really amazing things in this industry. And like... Like, here, like, watch this ATs video or, like, look at Seventeen or, like, watch Mamamoo or, like, just all these other groups that are so good and so different, but also, like, very true K-pop that I honestly, like, I don't—I very early on was, like, very into BTS, and I'm sure I will be again when they make their comeback soon. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think there's—it's like in anything else when you feel like you have a platform, you want to talk more about people that you think people should be talking about and should be fans of rather than the people that, you know, that everyone is already a fan of. So yeah, totally. I I totally do. So I know I'm very in touch with the fans, very in touch with kind of the current groups, but I have a lot of information I don't have about sort of the history of K-pop. So I know you guys are experts. You've been fans of this industry for a long time. Can you tell me a little bit kind of how we got here and sort of what the industry has looked like up to this point? So Super M is kind of a play on SM Entertainment, which we yes. mentioned is is one of the major Korean labels. The others being JYP and YG, and I guess now Big Hit with BTS is mm-hmm. up there. So YG is famous for Big Bang, Two Any One, now Blackpink, and right. JYP is what twice back in the day Wonder Girls, Two PM, Two AM. I don't, I don't really know who else is on JYP right they now. They have Got Seven. They have yeah. a few other groups. So for the K-pop uninformed, I mean, is there a way to distinguish the acts between each label? I mean, I have an opinion, but I'm curious about yours, Isaac, and you, Kate. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in first. SM is by far the biggest. They have kind of done it the longest and have been on top the longest. They had HOT in the past. They're kind of the the mainstream label. And they're known to produce really great vocalists. Whereas JYP is known to produce a lot of great dancers and YG is known to produce a lot of great rappers. And that's kind of how they are known as the big three in, in the Korean public. Yeah. And if you ever have a chance to go to Seoul, listeners, you can go to SM Town. Have you been to SM Town, Isaac? Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting place. It's like a it's like a museum <laughs> to the label it is, with a cafe. And yeah. Like, all kinds well, of Well, Isaac was just in Seoul and he was like saying how K-pop is such a huge tourism industry yeah. now. Like people oh, are man. coming just like K-pop fans are going to Seoul just for all of that. There's just, a ton of photo ops like just all over Seoul. Yeah. All right, well, let me just bring this up because we're talking about K-pop and this is the first time we've ever anyone's ever talked about K-pop on a ring of podcast. Kate, you were mentioning how Super M is interesting in that they're being presented kind of Western facing debuting on Capitol records. They Mm -hmm. did this huge, you know, stuff in LA that you were talking about. They were on Ellen on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I think part of that might be because K-pop and the K-pop industry is a little bit stagnant or even dying in Korea. I mean, I don't know what your guys' opinion is on that. I mean, obviously BTS is a global supernova, so you can put them almost in a different category, but I think K-pop now, whereas 
because even if you look at the stocks for SMYG and JYP, they have been declining yeah, steadily over over years. A lot of that, you know, part of that is like some trade stuff because in K-pop's peak, which I would consider its peak, you know, maybe 10 years ago or so, Japan was a huge market. They were making inroads into China. Southeast Asia has always kind of steadily been a big market. Uh, but I think with, you know, these kind of um, geopolitical situations in Japan, in China, those markets have dried up a little bit. Within Korea, I think the idol industry is still exists and is still strong to an extent, but I don't think some of these, there's a lot of groups that are failing. And, well, what uh, happened was it became oversaturated um, yeah. within the last 10 years or so. And so they've been venturing out and that's where a lot of these, there's a lot of K-pop groups who only are active in Japan or only are active in China, like Korean groups, because the market in Korea is so crowded. And I think yeah. that's what happened. Well, so if we consider H.O.T., S.E.S., Finkel as kind of like the first wave and the foundation of K-pop, to me, the peak era was around the turn of the aughts, 2009, 10, 11, where you had Girls' Generation, Big Bang, 21, acts like that kind of really made it popular. And then they started really exporting it across Asia and even to the West. And then since then, the oversaturation that you mentioned, Isaac, I feel like it's kind of declined domestically. And whereas when, and guys cut me off if I'm rambling, but I feel like <laughs> when K-pop was getting really big around that time, turn of the odds, that's when groups started to make these, attempt to make these American inroads, mm -hmm. like the Wonder Girls, like JYP even set up shop here on Park Avenue in New York. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, financial crisis happened. Famously. Yeah, and then, and then, you know, different acts would try to make it seven. I think even Rain tried to do something. I mean, he ended up appearing in Speed Racer and doing acting and stuff. Yeah. But those American inroads all failed really miserably. Mm -hmm. uh, even CL to an extent, which was not too long ago. But now I think with the BTS kind of phenomenon, K-pop is picking up again in America at the same time as it's kind of slowing down domestically. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The history of K-pop ventures into US is really interesting because as you said, all of them failed. So it started with BOA in the early 2000s and then Rain, as you mentioned, JYP, as you mentioned. And Sai's Gangnam Style, I think, is probably the most unintentional global phenomenon that nobody anticipated happening. Right. But that was the first time I was in high school back then. That was the first time that like people who weren't Korean around me knew what Gangnam Style was or knew mm -hmm. what Korean music even is. And that was fascinating to observe because that was, what, 2011, 2012? Mm -hmm. um, but then I think that's when the possibility of Korean music working overseas expanded more. So like CL came over and as Donnie, you mentioned, she kind of fizzled out. I honestly can't pinpoint to why because she spoke English pretty well. Um, and this is kind of like a fascination that I've had with BTS is... BTS, none of the members speak English. They're very Korean. RM is pretty RM fluent. Yeah. yeah. I we no, no, argued about this the other day. He's pretty fluent. No, no, he's pretty good. He, he, he spoke before the UN. Yeah, he's good. He speaks English. I would say one member. Army. That was Isaac. One that member said speaks that. English. Not Kate or Donnie. <laughs> I told Isaac oh yesterday, God. I was like, I've watched a lot more BTS interviews than you, and no, I can no, tell he you is, that he speaks he is English. Great. He is great, but like in their music that they export, it's not like they speak a ton of English. I yeah. They've done I think this is a whole nother thing, but I think they've kind of done a, a slightly similar strategy as like Monsta X, where like they release some songs in English. Yeah. Some versions of songs in English, and they've collaborated a lot with Western artists. And it's like, you know, they're kind of taking this lucky 
break that they had and now trying to figure out how to keep doing it. And I think there was just an interview last week at Time with, I'm sorry if I say this wrong, Bang Si-hyuk. Bang Si-hyuk. How close. Um, that, which is the big hit producer that created BTS. And he literally, they asked him, you know, why, why did BTS make it? Why did this happen? And he, like everyone else, is kind of like, we don't know. <laughs> he says, I fundamentally believe BTS's success in the U.S. had a lot to do with luck. He's like, it wasn't my brilliant strategy or them being like a perfect fit. And it's so fascinating to see, even like like he said with Psy, it's like BTS and Psy just blew up just somehow yeah. for some reason. And now people are, try- and even BTS is still trying to replicate that success and other groups are trying to replicate that success. I mean, it's luck. It's, I mean, obvi- it's a million different their things. talent. And, the, right, and right, right. it's like social media. Totally. Like place, and right, and I mean, there's a theory that it's like Big Bang enlisted. So then there was, you know, an opening for like some other huge group. There are all these different theories about, and I'm sure it was just a little, yeah. a little bit I mean, of everything. Big Bang's rise also, if you go back in history, it can be tied to the fact that TVXQ's three members left TVXQ. And so that was the giant back then. And they were gone and Big right. Bang rose. There's always like some kind of power vacuum that that helps out. You know, you need to have a baseline of talent, obviously. And right, BTS is immensely talented for the armies listening out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly do believe that. Yeah, um, absolutely. But there is some sort of luck that has to factor yeah. in when you make it that big. Right. So back to Super M, you know, I think what's, I'm just working out this theory here. I'm spitballing. Sure, sure. But I feel like we mentioned some of these other acts, Boa, Rain, Girls' Generation, I think even did something with Interscope, CL. They came to America and failed. And what I see with BTS and now Super M, even though they're promoting and releasing music globally and targeting American market, the reason that, well, I guess Super M, we'll see how much they succeed. But I feel like the strategy in the past with the American inroads or the American market penetration was to kind of cater to America right. and, and, right. Make, and make a sound that they thought was sort of palatable to the American ear. Right. But I think now the strategy is just lean fully into the K-popness of it all, which is often in Korean and it's not like American R&B or pop. It's K-pop. It's like right. a distinct genre. And I think they've realized smartly that people that want to listen to this music don't want to listen to broken English Chris Brown imitations. They want to listen right. to K-pop. And yeah. I think that that is smart. I was a little bit worried about that because, you know, we've seen, especially Monster X lately, who I think is kind of the other group that's very active right now in the U.S. They've been doing all these collaborations with Western artists and releasing songs in English. And I was like, if Super M like releases five songs in English for the U.S., like it's just not, I mean, it is K-pop, but it's not as true, I think, to the industry as people would like. And I was really happy to see that it's extremely five K-pop songs. Like, <laughs> So they just released, obviously, their first album. We've seen the performances. I think the album is really good. I know we have some people in the room who did not love dropping, but I'm telling you right now, it's an acquired taste. It will grow on you. Okay? To be very clear, that's not me. I like dropping. <laughs> okay, you're right. So not in the room, but on the phone. Yes. But overall, I was actually really pleasantly, not pleasantly surprised. I was happy with this album, actually. I know you're referring to me. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> you know, we were talking a little bit about before about leaning heavily into K-pop. I mean, I think dropping is basically that. Yeah, the lead single, Jopping, was produced by London Noise, which is a British duo, but yeah, also Yu Young Jin. they do a bunch, a bunch of K-pop Yeah, songs. but also Yu Young Jin, who is their kind of executive producer, mm-hmm. who's been around the company for decades now. And it's a, if you listen to it, it's, oh, this is a very Korean song with a lot of English in it. Yeah. Jumping and popping, that's Jopping, in case Jopping. you were curious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care, young and new to tear stage. Left to the 
So would you say though, Kate, like if uh, an alien stepped out of a spaceship and you wanted to introduce him or her to K-pop, that Jopping would be a good representation? It's not the one that I would go with, but I like it a lot. It really, really grows on you. (laughs) What's what's the song that will turn people on to Super M then? On the it's a five song EP. I would say I can't stand the rain or supercar. Uh, Supercar for me. Supercar is a good song. (laughs) The only reason I I wouldn't have said that is because it doesn't have all the members on it. But like I can't stand the rain is very much an EXO song. Supercar is very much an NCT song. And then Too Fast is a shiny song. And I think the other two are kind of hybrids. Um, Yeah, I think Supercar is really good. They hit the woe in the choreo, which is like I talked to them about and it's very American thing and was like a very calculated thing. But also K-pop groups just love the woe. Yeah. Uh, They love it it way more than Americans. So much. Well, can Um, I say one thing? Like K-poppers are still dabbing. They're like kept the dab alive. <laughs> Mark so. actually said that when I talked to him, he was like, it just has to like make its way to Korea. He was like, it yeah. takes a while. It starts in America. It takes a while. He was like, we're into the woe still in Korea. And then we brought it back. I was like, that's fine. <laughs> as, as K-pop experts, you guys, Kate and Isaac, what's your prognostication, I guess, of how Super M is going to do? Honestly, I think they're going to do really well. I've already seen some like estimates of like the Billboard 200, like international charts. And apparently they're going to like chart higher than than anyone but BTS, apparently. Yeah. Um, is the, as far as K-pop goes. As far as K-pop goes, yeah, um, is the estimate, which is already, like, impressive. This is a new group, you know? Technically, like, they're a debut group. Yeah. And I'm honestly more optimistic than I was even a week ago. I think as long as they stick to promoting pretty fervently in America mm-hmm. and are literally locally here right. in North America. And they're touring in, in North America starting in November and again in January and February. So, like, yeah. they're committed for a while, at least. Yeah, I think they'll be successful. I can't see, you know, I guess this is the last thing we can talk about. Pekyun is enlisting next year. Right. Um, I can't see this original member set. I think it'll together. be fluid. No yeah. one's really talked about that yet. I think it'll be, I think they'll move people in and out of it. Right. Yeah, they could just replace. I mean, it's not to say that he's replaceable. Yeah, I mean, but- it's NCT Hollywood. I think it can be fluid. It's already like, you know, you have these members who are already like super talented, but like you have this huge pool to choose from. Right. You know what I mean? So it's their whole company. They could right. they could add like someone from Red Velvet. Anyone. For all we know. They yeah. could add anyone. Yeah, I, I think it'll be very fluid. Well, the question for you guys would be like someone like, I don't know, Bill Simmons, for example, like <laughs> would Super M ever get on his radar? Like, in other words, is this group going to really just cater to the K-pop stand like you, Kate and Isaac? Do you think it could break out of that box a little bit and become more... I don't want to say BTS-like because even BTS maybe isn't, but, right. you know, like transcend the genre to just become like pop. I would say no, just because I think it's enough to just have K-pop stands right now. Yeah. I think that's yeah. big enough in America right now that they don't need to have Bill Simmons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's evolving so fast in America. Like K-pop fandom has changed so much here so quickly that it's almost hard to say, honestly. But We got to get Bill Joppin. We do. <laughs> we came, we jopped. We conquered. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on and for being positive, except for Donnie. Um, I was positive. We, you were. You don't were great. Get it canceled. You were great, guys. Please don't cancel us. We love Super M. We're gonna hopefully talk about them more in the future. And please read my interview on TheRinger.com coming soon. Um, if it's not fun at all, it's because Donnie cut all the fun parts out of it. I'll, <laughs> I'll spill the tea on Twitter if he does. Um, but we had a great time with the group. Keep an eye out for the interview. And that's it for Ringer Dish. Thank you so much for listening. 